Father, we're about to open your word and we ask you to speak into our lives things that we need to hear. This is not about entertainment value. It's not about some nice thoughts for the day. It's about your word changing our lives. So we open our hearts to you. Speak to us individually today by your word, through your Holy Spirit. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you would, to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, way in the back of your Bible. If you have a physical Bible, you can find it on your phone, whatever uh, app you might have. Um, If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We'll have the verses on the screen that we're going to be teaching from today. This month, our theme is, but first, Jesus. And our intention is, with this new year that has arrived, we're going to take this month, and our resolution is, To put first Jesus in all of our lives, everything that goes on, everything that happens, Jesus comes first. And what we're doing is we're taking the transformation that happened in the life of Peter, who was known as Simon, and then Simon Peter, and then most Christians just know him as Peter, a disciple of Jesus. We're looking at the great change that happened in his life because we believe if God can change his life, that God can change our lives. So we're going to be following Jesus really, really closely. And, you know, if you go back and look at the life of Peter, especially in the days when he walked with Jesus, you will find that Peter's life with Jesus was a a real roller coaster ride. High highs and low lows. In one breath, he was saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus is commending him. In the same conversation, Jesus turns around and says, "Uh, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, he was on a real roller coaster ride. He was emotional. He was outspoken, somewhat like some of us. But what we find is he was also the one who said, I will never leave you. I will stay with you. I'll die with you if needs be. And the same night, three times, he denied Jesus. So we're looking at what happened in Peter's life because... On the day of Pentecost, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, by that time, Peter became a rock in the church, just as Jesus had prophesied. So what happened? Well, we talked about the fact that from the time Jesus arose from the dead until the day of Pentecost was 50 days. From the time Jesus arose until he ascended was 40 days. And Scripture tells us that some significant things evidently happened in the life of Peter. Number one, the first week, which was New Year's Eve, we talked about the fact that Peter had an encounter with Jesus. John chapter 21, Jesus met with Peter and three times said, Peter, do you love me? And we taught all about the conversation and that encounter. But the bottom line was what Jesus was asking Peter was, what is my place in your heart? What is my place in your life? And evidently on that day, Peter got it right and got it straight and put Jesus on the throne of his heart. The second thing we talked about last week, we talked about the fact that God has a kingdom. It's a spiritual unseen kingdom. And we talked about the fact that in those 40 days from the time Jesus arose until he ascended, Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says, Jesus taught his disciples things pertaining to the kingdom of God of God. He opened up their eyes. It wasn't a new topic. Jesus had been teaching about it for three years, but he opened up their understanding to grasp exactly what it meant to be in the kingdom of God and have the kingdom of God in you. We talked that last week. Today, I want to 
go in a slightly different direction, but I want to look at some lessons that we see from the life of Peter as he walked with Jesus. And what I want to do in my introduction today, I want to start with three things that I think are important. When you look at Peter, if you think about his lowest moment, it was probably the moment after three times he denied Jesus. I mean, it got so difficult for him that under pressure, this guy who a few hours earlier said, I'll die with you, now is cursing and swearing and saying, I don't even know the guy, totally denying Jesus. But Scripture tells us that when he walked away that night from that moment, you'll find it there in Luke 22, verse 6, that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Peter was brokenhearted. That on one hand, he's promising to be there to his Lord. On the next hand, a few hours later, he's cursing and swearing, saying, I don't know the guy. I think it's important for us to start with this today because many of us have been there. We've made our statements of faith. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm there. And yet later on, when the pressure hits our lives and the wrong crowd is around us, what do we do? We tend to back down and play to the crowd. And then we walk away from that moment heavy-hearted, disappointed, hurting inside because of our own failures. I want to start here today because of this. I think that one thing God wants us to learn during this series is your mistakes your failures, my failures, my shame is never bigger than God's grace. Never, ever, ever, ever. He doesn't want us to wallow in that shame and stay in that place feeling like we're a loser and a failure. But rather, he wants to pull us up out of that place and restore us to faith so we can rise up and be the rock that he created us to be. We can learn some lessons. So let's just look for a moment real quickly. I think three things that we could really easily learn, and I'm not going to take time to read the scriptures here, but I think per, the first thing we would learn from Peter's failure is he never understood and took control of the war that was going on inside of him. He never took control of the war going on inside of him. Remember we talked about the night that Jesus was betrayed. After he told Peter, you're going to deny me tonight, Jesus led the disciples away to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was late at night, and he began to pray. And as he prayed, he saw the disciples were tired and weary, so he took Peter and James and John a little further away from the group and said, you guys, this is a tough moment. I'm about to go to the cross in a few hours. Would you pray with me and watch with me? And Scripture says as Jesus prayed, in a few minutes he came back and found Peter, James, and John asleep. And he woke them up and he asked them the question, couldn't you stay awake and watch just one hour? Just one hour? But then the, we have this famous statement that Jesus made. He turned to them and said, and I think specifically to Peter, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, I think Everybody in this room today has a willing spirit. I think deep down inside, we want to follow Jesus. Deep down inside, we want to walk in the way God wants us to walk. But we have to understand, if we're going to walk and follow Jesus, we have got to deal with this war that's going on inside of us. We have to learn how to deal with the weakness of our flesh. In Matthew chapter 15, you find that Peter's connected with the story 
where he's asking Jesus to explain a parable because Jesus is teaching them this principle. He says, it's not what you eat. It's not what you take into your body that defiles you. It's not the rules and the regulations around you. It's not that. It's what's going on inside of you that pushes stuff out. That's where the war is. That's what defiles us. It's not what goes in. It's what comes out of us. Jesus had taught this principle to Peter. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he tells him, Peter, I know your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. You've got to overcome the weakness of your flesh. It's interesting, as you look back, after Peter's failure, Peter wrote these words later on as he understood it better. In 1 Peter, he said, be sober, be diligent, because there's an enemy out there. There's a devil And he wants to destroy you. He goes about as a roaring lion. He wants to pull you into the flesh, keep you in the flesh, keep you depending upon yourself, that he can devour your life. But he said, stand up and fight him. We today need to understand there's a war going on inside. It's the spirit versus the flesh. And we have got to feed the spirit so that we weaken the attempts of the flesh. Second thing. Besides not understanding the weakness of his flesh, the second thing tells us that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. In Mark chapter 14, it tells us that as they arrested Jesus and led him away, Peter followed, but he followed a little ways off. John the apostle got close to Jesus and stayed with Jesus and went inside with Jesus into the hall where they tried him. But Peter followed at a distance and he stayed at a distance. And I think sometimes... Some of us are guilty of following Jesus at a distance. Oh, yeah, I want to believe and yeah, I want my eternal life and I want God to smile on me, but I don't want to be one of those fanatics. I don't want to be like Pastor Gary and I don't want to be like those other church members. I would rather follow Jesus from a distance. Can I tell you something today? The safest, most secure place you will ever be in your life is as close to Jesus as you can possibly get. It's the safest place there is. The most blessed place is close to Jesus. Peter followed at a distance because he didn't want to get identified with Jesus. He wanted the benefits. He wanted Jesus' approval, but he didn't want to follow too closely. And as a result, it put him in a position where he fell on his face. And then a third thing that happened is he warmed himself by the enemy's fire. Scripture said as they took Jesus away to try him, there was, it was a cold night and the enemy had built a fire and the, those who wanted to crucify Jesus had a place outside the hall where they gathered. And it says that Peter went and sat with them and warmed himself by their fire. In other words, we need to be aware of the influence the wrong people have on our lives. You know, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We deal with people every day, but we choose the people we run with and hang with and who's going to influence us. Peter, instead of staying close to Jesus, turned and decided, I will find acceptance with this other crowd. And when they put the pressure on him, he could not stand and he denied Jesus. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter wrote later on after this experience, he wrote and he said, you know what? In the last days, there will be false teachers. 
There will be people who come along giving you false messages and false doctrines and false ideas that will actually pull you away from Jesus. Friend, let me tell you something today. The truth of the teaching of God's Word does not pull you away from Jesus. It brings you closer to Jesus. It does not take you to the wrong group of people. It brings you into the right group of people. You need Christian friends who will encourage you who will promote faith, who will speak into your life when you're struggling, who will rejoice with you when you're strong, and who will pray with you when you're weak. You need those friendships because they will bring strength, godly strength, into your life. But having shared that, I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want you to read this with me. Now, I've spent the last few weeks continually reading through Peter's two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. You find them in the back of the Bible. It's amazing the words that this unstable guy writes sometime later. After his life is changed and he becomes this rock, all of a sudden he has this message of holiness and following Jesus and being aware of what's going on in your life. He writes some really amazing things. But I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. I'm going to read just three verses here. Peter says, therefore, laying aside, notice the words, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking. Now, look at that. Lay aside what? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. Verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby in verse 3 if indeed you have tasted that the lord is gracious i want to talk to you for a few minutes about peter's advice for following jesus how many in the house want to follow jesus closely let me see your hands you want to follow jesus closely here's the advice peter has for us verse number one he says there is something that we need to lay aside. Put verse 1 back up there if you can for just a moment. I, I want people to look at it for a moment. He said there's something that we need to lay aside. And what is it? It's the ways of the old life. See, we come to Jesus and he promises a new life, but we have to understand before he can pour the new life in us and through us, we have to be willing to lay aside what stands in the way, and that's the old life. Several years ago, I had an, an older minister who now has gone to be with the Lord who really spoke into my life for a lot of years. And he was preaching in my church one time years ago, and he, he made this statement. He said, the only proof we have that the Word of God is true is that people's lives are changed. The only evidence we have that the Word of God is true is that people's lives are changed. How many can lift a hand this morning and say, God has changed my life? Has he changed your life? If so, that's because you've been willing to lay aside some things so he can pour his things into your life. But what I find is the older I get and the longer I walk with God, the more finicky God gets. He just keeps working in my life. And as I am willing to lay things aside that stand in his way, he is willing to pour his goodness, his grace, his kingdom, his blessing into those areas. And it shows up all over my life. And we have to understand, in order for us to grow in Christ and follow Christ correctly, there are some things that we need to lay aside. Maybe today you need to lay some things aside. Maybe I need to lay some things aside. If I let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God examine my heart, God will show me things that need to be set aside so He can pour more of Himself into my life. 
In verse 2, there's a second thing Peter says. He says there's something to be desired. First, he says there's something to set aside our old life. Then he says there's something to be desired. And he calls it the pure milk of the word. We need to desire God's word. One of the things we're doing this month, and I want to talk about this for just a moment. One of the things we're doing this month is we're sending out uh, just devotional videos five days a week, Monday through Friday. If you're on our email list, you get them. Monday through Friday, each day we send out simple, short devotional video. It's anywhere from three to four minutes generally. And the intent is we want to give you the Word of God, make it simple, put it right there on your screen where you can watch the video, you can read the verses, you can pray over it, you can meditate on it, and it'll help feed God's Word into your day. But Peter said the thing that makes us grow spiritually is the Word of God. The Word of God is important in our lives. We need to make a place for God's Word. Throughout this month, and I want to make this statement to you today, and I want you to hear me. Throughout this month, especially starting today, I've mentioned it the first couple of weeks. I really want to drive it home today. The next three weeks until the first Sunday of February, I want to encourage you every day to spend some time with God. Watch those videos if you can. Pray over those scriptures. Ask God to speak to you out of those scriptures. Another thing I'm going to ask you to do is spend some time fasting. Set aside some physical appetites. Break the grip of the flesh and spend some time with God praying and see if God won't do some amazing things in your life spiritually. It's amazing what happens when we set aside a physical appetite for a spiritual appetite. If we make room, God will fill that space. And I'm not telling you how to do it. Everybody figures out how to do it for yourself. But I want to encourage you, prayerfully seek God these next three weeks. Because the first Sunday of February, we're going to have a day of prayer and a day of worship and praise. And we're going to honor God and thank Him for the things He's doing in our lives. So I want you to prepare your heart for that. But Peter said, it is the Word of God that brings spiritual growth into our lives. Now, while I'm here on the subject, let me just take a moment and and share something that I feel like I need to share. We need to make room for Jesus. Jesus can't be first unless we make room for him. And I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about reading the Word. I'm talking about fasting. But let me give you something else. I'm a pastor. Again, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor. My calling is to lead people and to feed people. I'm not the great shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. He leads me and feeds me. I follow him. And by following him, I lead you and I feed you. That's my job. That's my calling. If you call this church home, I'm your shepherd. I'm your pastor. And it's my responsibility to lead you and feed you so that you grow in God. Did you know statistics show across America, the average Christian goes to church 1.7 times a month. That means less than two Sundays a month, the average Christian is in church. Now, I know, I know sometimes things happen, this happens, I know that. It needs to be the practice of every believer 
that when the when God's house is open on Sunday morning, it is the day we've set aside according to his word as a Sabbath day for us to rest physically and for us to rest spiritually and spend time with God. Now, I know it's really quiet. It's okay. I can stand quiet. We had a loud first service. We'll have quiet this service. It's okay. Here's the deal. When we have church on Sunday mornings, it needs to be a priority in your life. You know why? Listen to me closely. I've learned if people don't value church on Sunday mornings, they're probably not going to value God's Word between Sundays. If people don't make it a priority to get fed on Sunday morning by an anointed, called teacher, they're probably not going to spend time with God in the Word between those Sundays. And if it's 1.7 times a month, instead of us feeding ourselves every day, some of us are getting fed 1.7 times a month, and spiritually we're starving. We need to be in God's house, which, by the way, everybody smile at me. Okay. No, nobody helped me much first service, so I got out in front and I amen myself. I can do that if I have to here in a minute. So but here's the deal. An important part of our relationship with God is worship. The first part of every one of our Sunday morning services is always worship. It's God's time. It's not my time. It's not about worship team and lights and nice music. It's not about a guy up here, you know, with a T-shirt and a chain around his neck and a key on it, although for some, for some of you it might be, but it's not supposed to be. I'm not picking on you, Aaron. I'm just, I'm just saying. Sometimes we focus on the wrong things. You know, it's not about a guy in a suit and a tie, which I don't have today, but I've been known to wear one on, at to weddings and funerals. But <laughs> the point is, it's about us spending time honoring God. And one of the things I've learned in my walk with God is when I worship God, God receives my worship and God pours things into my life. Things happen when we're worshiping God that don't happen any other time. So, I could teach on praise and worship today, but I don't have time. But let me take one step beyond it. Some of us, and it, you know, it, on Sunday morning, I'm on the front row right here. I'm looking to the front. I'm lost in worship. I'm not paying any attention. So, I don't know who I'm talking to today. And I'm not here to offend anybody. I'm going to tell you something. One of the most important things you can do is get here before service starts and get in your seat so you're ready to worship God when service begins. I have a friend who started attending our church a few months ago, comes from a different church background, started attending our church, and after like two or three visits, one day he, he talked to me and he said, I don't get this. I said, you don't get what? He said, I don't understand these people dragging in 30 minutes late, making all this noise. He said, isn't this God's house? Isn't this God's time? Aren't we supposed to be here in place ready when church starts? Now, please, don't be offended by me today. I know there are times when things happen, but I hear it so often. Man, it took me 10 minutes to get my kid checked in. Then get here 15 minutes early. It's pretty easy. It's our time with God. Don't be offended at me today. If you leave here offended at me today, you'll have to deal with the last part of this message because I haven't got there yet. It's talking about offenses, okay? Don't get offended at me. I'm trying to give you something that will help you. Make God's house a priority. If it starts at 1130, be there at 1120. Get yourself in place. If you have to get your coffee, get here at 1110. Get your coffee, get in here, get seated, and let's worship God and let's let his word grow us. That's what it's about. I like that. And then in verse 3, i got to hurry. Then in verse 3, Peter says, if indeed you have tasted... 
that the Lord is gracious. Hey, that's pretty good, man. We didn't have a mass exodus. We only got three or four mad at me this morning. I'm, I'm glad for that. Third thing P- Peter says is, if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Has anybody here found that God is gracious and God is good? Now, I'm going to show you something. This is what people miss. Oh, God has been so good. God has done this. God has. God has. God has. What Peter is saying is, if God has been good, don't you think God's going to continue to be good? Don't you think the God who's poured blessing into your life in days gone by isn't going to pour blessing in today? Of course he is. Is he going to be there tomorrow? Of course he is. The next day, yes. Throughout eternity, he wants us to explore all of his blessing and riches. But we need to position ourselves to receive the goodness and the grace and the blessings of God. So Peter says there's something to be put off, put aside. He said there is something to desire. And then last of all, he says there's something to consider. It's the blessing of God, the goodness of God. God has better, better plans for you than you have for yourself. Follow him and see. And, and then the last part of my message, I'm going to move very quickly this morning. I, I want to share three things real quickly that we need to be aware of today. Three things, they're really lessons from Jesus' time with Peter. The first one is one day Peter comes to Jesus. We're going to read it here. It's in Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. Peter comes to Jesus and asks him a very important question. Let's read it, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Come on, people, look at me right here. If somebody comes and keeps doing it to you, isn't seven times enough? How many can identify with Peter right here? You know, what's the old saying? The first time, shame on you. The second time, shame on me not what Jesus taught. But here's the point. Evidently, Peter is struggling with somebody. My guess is it was probably one of the other disciples because that's basically who he was hanging with. How many times do I have to forgive this guy? Is seven times enough? Look at the next verse. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, for all of you guys who can do math in your head, he wasn't talking about 490 times. If you look at the numerology of this, he said, with perfection, you need to forgive as God forgives. Now, I'm going to talk, talk about this for a moment. One of the things that interferes with our relationship with God is the way we deal with people. People can be trouble. People can be mean. People can be cantankerous. People can hurt you. People can cut you deeply. But as children of God, we have got to learn with it, to deal with it as God deals with it. We got to learn to forgive. If our brother says, I wronged you, I'm sorry. We have got to learn how to forgive as God forgives. It's interesting. How many times? Now, some of you are sitting there right now thinking, man, I'm already on number six with this guy sitting next to me. (laughs) 
Ladies, don't hold that against him, okay? Turn loose of it. Not talking about numbers. We have got to learn to forgive. Why? Here's what Jesus taught. Jesus said, if forgiveness stops flowing this way between you and other people, then forgiveness stops flowing this way. Do you want to know what I believe is the quickest prayer that God answers? Here it is. God, if I've got bitterness in my heart towards anybody, show, show me. You pray that prayer and God will show you like, bam, nanosecond, right now. All of a sudden, faces start popping up on the screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a prayer God answers really quickly. Why? Because God knows if your heart gets messed up with people, it affects your relationship with him. Here's what we have to learn to do. We have to learn to take people to the cross and consider that God forgives us. We need to forgive them. We need to forgive them. Got to learn to forgive. Somebody's helped me out there. Let, let, me, let me show you something here. On the heels of this, Jesus tells a story. And I'm going to make it real short and simple. And we'll put it in modern day language. Jesus said there was a king, a ruler who had a man in his kingdom that owed him a million dollars. One day the, the ruler called this man in and says, hey, you owe me a million bucks. I need my money. I, I've, I've waited long enough. You've got to pay me now. And the man looked at him, began to weep and cry and say, you know, what? I got a family. I've been doing my best, but I don't have your money. I'm trying. I'm trying. Please be patient with me. And it says the king, the ruler, had compassion on him and said, you know what? I see your heart. I'm going to forgive you. Just forget about the whole debt. The guy got up, walked down the street, ran into another guy that owed him 10 bucks. You get the difference? A million dollars, 10 dollars? He runs into a guy, owes him 10 bucks and says, hey, where's my 10 bucks? This guy says, man, I'm sorry. I haven't got it. Things have been tough. I got a family. I got to take care of them. Please be patient. This guy gets angry, takes him to court, has him thrown in jail and says, you will not get out of jail until you give me my 10 dollars back. When the ruler finds out about it, through his servants, he goes and gets this other guy and calls him in and says, how is it that I forgave you a million and you for couldn't forgive 10? And he said, I'm going to have you thrown in the prison. You will be tormented. You will not get out until you pay me my million back. And what it goes on to say, Jesus said in verse 35, so my heavenly father will also do to each of you from his heart if he does not forgive his brother his trespasses. God has forgiven us a debt we can never repay in a million lifetimes. And he expects us to learn to forgive people who wrong us. And then one more little side note on this before I move on. Please hear this. This is the loving heart of a pastor. If you have to listen to it three times online to get it, it's okay. This is coming from a heart of love. Mature Christians are not easily offended. You show me somebody who's always upset and always hurt and always offended, I will show you an immature believer. Let me say it this way. We need to grow up and stop letting silly little things offend us. We can't, let little, we can't hold on to silly little things. 
because they interfere with our relationship with God. And you know, the same night that Jesus was betrayed, when he's alone with his disciples, he sits them down and begins to wash their dirty feet. I mean, they ran around in robes and sandals on those dirty roads, and their feet were nasty. Jesus sits down and takes a bowl of water and begins to wash their feet. And he comes to Peter, and Peter says, No, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, If I don't wash your feet, I have no place with you. You have no place with me. And Peter said, then wash my head and all the rest of me too. <laughs> but here's the point. Then Jesus said, you need to learn to wash each other's feet as I've washed your feet. Can, can I tell you something? If there's somebody you're struggling with, go to them and say, you know what? I'm sorry this is going on. I forgive you. I turn loose. I want to bury it. Take your shoes and socks off and sit down in a chair here. I'm going to get a bowl of water and I'm going to wash your feet. Wash that person's feet and see if God doesn't melt some stuff out of your life. Have you ever done that? Yes, I have. And let me tell you something. It'll change something in here and it'll change something out here both, okay, at the same time. Oh, man, I tell you, Aaron, Aaron's a little bit of a germaphobe. I'm, I would look forward to the day when Aaron washes my feet. I just want to see the look on his face. Let's go back to the seriousness of the moment. You know what? We've got to learn to forgive. Because if we don't, it interferes with our relationship with God. Second thing, and there's three things. I'm going to do this real quickly. Second thing, remember the night that Jesus and Peter have this encounter or the day and Jesus three times asks Peter, do you love me? John chapter 21. Jesus says, if you follow me, when you get old, they're going to take you and stretch you out and put you in a cross the same way I died. Follow me. Peter turns around, looks over at John and then looks back at Jesus and says, well, what about him? Jesus said, if I want him to live until I return, that's none of your business. You don't worry about John. You take care of yourself. Stop. Here's the point. Stop comparing yourself with other people. Stop looking at some people and say, oh, they're so spiritual and they're so far ahead of me. Stop doing that. Stop looking at other people and say, oh, they're so immature and they're so far behind me. Stop that. Just get in relationship with God and keep following Jesus and let him grow you. And stop comparing yourself to other people. Take the pressure off. Take the pressure off. A new believer who's trying to learn God's ways and struggling, they're just as much a child of God as the one who's been serving God for 70 years and ready to go to heaven. Let me tell you something. Stop comparing yourself with other people. Stop comparing other Christians with other Christians. We're the family of God. We're children of God. He loves us all. Let's get in relationship with God and keep following. And then the last thought. I want to look at Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read these verses and comment real quickly. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say to Jesus, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life the last thing 
think it's interesting. When you read these verses, Jesus had just said, it's really hard for somebody who's wealthy to get into heaven because they tend to trust their money. And it, just as Jesus has given them this illustration of it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven, Peter speaks up and says, what about us? What about us? We left everything. Maybe we left the fishing boats, our families. We left everything to follow you. We've been following you three years. What's the deal? Jesus says, anything we walk away from is given back to us a hundred times over in this life and in the world to come. Let me settle one last question in this house today. I've heard it for years. There's always somebody who says, well, you just got to give up so much to follow Jesus. Are you kidding me? What you give up to follow Jesus is nothing compared to what Jesus pours into your life when you follow him. No comparison. In this life and in the world to come. People say, well, why are you so emphatic and why are you so strong about following Jesus and getting so close? Because that's where the blessing is. That's where the blessing is. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, Peter started writing about a spiritual inheritance. He got it. He said, in this world and the one to come, there's exceeding great and precious promises. Man, God just keeps pouring more and more and more of his blessings into your life. So keep following Jesus. As we close this morning, and I know I've covered a lot of territory, as we close today, Holy Spirit's probably touching your heart. I want you to open up and let God do a work. Let me pray for you today. Father... For every person in this room, help us follow you. Help us to set aside things that need to be moved. Help us to get into your word and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And then help us, Father. Help us to consider your goodness and expect more of your goodness in our lives. God, if there's things in our hearts that are interfering with your kingdom, show us so we can slide them out of the way. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to pray one last prayer. Maybe you're here today and you've listened to this message. Maybe you realize, you know, I, I don't want religion, but I want to know God. Maybe there's a desire down in your heart, something burning inside that's like, I don't want religion, I don't want rules and regulations, but I want to know Jesus. I want to know God. The reason you're feeling that today is because the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's extending grace to you, forgiveness of sin. He's offering life eternal and all of God's blessings to you. But by faith, you have to say, I want you and I need you in my life. The way you do that is through words. It's prayer. It's what prayer is. It's just talking to God with words. I want to lead you in a prayer today and give you a chance, the opportunity to open your heart and begin that relationship with God. It all starts right here. So as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'm going to ask everybody in the house, to pray this prayer after me. Repeat these words right out loud and just wrap your heart and your faith around these words. Everybody pray. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want Jesus to be my Savior. To wash away my sins. And I want Jesus to become the Lord of my life. So I open my heart to you. From this day forward, I want you to be my father. I will be your child. Teach me your ways, and I will follow you.
forever. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me and receiving me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time or if you've just been the prodigal on the run, God heard every word of that prayer. He heard the cry of your heart. He's going to respond to it. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. And here's the deal. You just made the greatest decision of your life, but we want to give you a little tool that will help you start this journey, help you understand how much God loves you and all the great things he wants to do for you. All I ask you to do is let us give this to you today. It's called the next seven days. It's a little bit of reading for the next week. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk down to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you want to get it and go, you can do that. If you, want, if you have some questions you want answered, they can help you with some questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to pray with you. But let us give this to you today. I promise you, it'll help you start your relationship with God. If you're in a really big rush, as you leave the building today, the glass doors where you exit out in the lobby, there's a big table counter set up right there with a sign that says the next seven days. If you're in a hurry, you can stop by there and ask for the booklet there. They'll give you the same booklet. Again, no strings attached. Hey, you just made the greatest decision of your life. We want to welcome you to God's family. Can we put our hands together today? God bless you. Welcome to the family of God.